First of all, welcome. This is Unsolicited Perspectives. I'm Bruce Anthony, your host here to lead the conversation in important events and topics that are shaping today's society. Join the conversation by following us wherever you get your audio podcasts. Subscribe to our YouTube channel to get our video podcasts. Rate, review, like, comment, share. Share with your friends, share with your family. Hell, even share with your enemies. On today's episode, I'm going to be opening up a little bit and telling you about something that I've not really ever talked about and I'm going to share on the show. And then we're also going to talk about the moral dilemma when your favorite actors, musicians, entertainers do something that makes you question if you can even enjoy their entertainment. But that's enough of the intro. Let's get to the show. This show, like I said, is going to be very personal to me. And there's a larger theme throughout the show. So follow me. Y'all know how I like to uh, web themes in my individual shows to to make a, a larger point that you probably am not going to see the full picture until I complete it at the end of this episode. But bear with me. I'm going to bear my soul in this first segment to set up the second segment. So follow with me. and. Uh, I, I shouldn't get emotional when talking about this, but uh, I'm going to be raw and real. I was interviewing somebody recently. They're an author, and uh, they expressed how writing is cathartic for them and is a form of therapy. Now, I've taken therapy before. I'm taking therapy. I've done therapy before. Uh, and the story I'm about to tell you I, I was the actual first real, real attempt to for me to do therapy. Um I and a therapist didn't really click. And then I didn't really do therapy for another 16 years after that. Um, But therapy is really, really important. Talking about your emotions and your feelings are really, really important. So let me start at the beginning. It's 1996. It's the summer of 1996. I'm 16 years old. My father has gotten a new job that's going to move the family from Lynchburg, Virginia, that's about four hours away from uh, Washington, D.C. And we're going to move to D.C. Now, I'm in the summer of my sophomore year going into my junior year of high school. A lot of these friends that I have, uh, I've had since I was eight years old. Uh, Lynchburg, as mm, segregated and closed off as it is, has been my home for the past five, six years, right? So it was really coming of age and as a young person, uh, young kid, teenager um, in this area. And I'm going to be moving to Washington, D.C. Now, I'm sure you guys can gather that Lynchburg, Virginia and Washington, D.C., the demographics of which are very, very different. Um, But... This is also when I found out that I really, really enjoy different cultures, different people, different races, different lifestyles, that I really love learning about people and getting to know people. Uh, In Lynchburg, I really didn't have an opportunity. There's a white side and a black side. I think there was one or two uh, kids that I grew up with that weren't white or black. I think one was Asian. And then one was, um, I think she was adopted. She was Polish. Um, but other than that, 
really didn't have any other nationalities living in Lynchburg. And and once again, this is kind of like my coming of age, right? Like my preteens into my early teens. This is where I lived in Lynchburg, Virginia. Also, during the summer of 1996, my grandfather is slowly but surely deteriorating from prostate cancer. This is the first uh, family member that I'm watching wither away and die, right? This is the first time I'm going to have a family member that I actually like know I have a relationship with past. And once again, I'm 16 years old. And my grandfather uh, is like a hero to me. I mean, he was this big giant man that was, he, to me, he was the gentlest giant in the world. Uh, my dad tells different stories, but grandkids, grandparents are always different to their grandkids. He was my hero. I, I literally known him all my life. Like, I know it's funny because my mom's side of the family, uh, when we were living in Illinois, lived all the way over here on the East Coast. So for like those formative young years, I didn't really know that those grandparents. So my grandfather and my grandmother, my paternal grandfather and grandmother were really the only parents that I knew until, I don't know, around eight uh, so there was a bond that was forming. Like uh, when we moved to uh, Virginia from Illinois, he got a janitor's job and and he would take me to the school and let me play basketball while he was cleaning up. And that was, you know, quality time that we spent together. Very, very important man in my life. At the same time, that summer, Somebody who is like an older brother to me still to this day is like an older brother to me is getting ready to face serious jail time, real serious jail time for very serious crimes. Uh, at the same time, uh, another person who I was fairly close with had just been murdered. So I've got a lot going on. Um, so that summer, my dad got the job. I was playing basketball and I was a decent high school basketball player, you know, definitely had some D1 potential. My friends now would say, no, you didn't. Uh, but no, I absolutely did. I was getting college interest letters and getting interest from colleges as a freshman. So, and D1 colleges. So I, I, I had some skill, right? Like I, I, I was more than above average. Um, so I'm going to be going to a new high school, which is a, a different uh, experience for me because I spent my freshman and sophomore year at this one particular high school. High school. I'm in the program. I'm ingrained in the program. I know what my trajectory is. I know what my role is. But I'm going to experience something different. And so I uh, got accepted into a very, very prestigious private school in the D.C. area and also at the same time a basketball power. Uh, so it was a fantastic opportunity for me, not, not only for my what I thought at the time was a basketball career, but also academically. Like you don't get these opportunities. And another thing that my friends say, well, you weren't that good. I was the first player ever in that coach's history. And that coach had coached for probably 30 years prior. The first player in that coach's history that they ever accepted to transfer in. Typically to be involved in that program, you would have to join in as a freshman and work your way through that program. Here I was coming in as a junior and gonna be playing on the basketball team. So um, here's the problem though, because I have to start school early or start school on time. 
my mom, brother, and sister, we hadn't sold the house yet, hadn't decided what we were going to do the house in, in Lynchburg, but my dad had to start his job in D.C. So me and my father moved into a corporate temporary housing apartment, you know, one of those corporate apartments that's already furnished, that, that his company had provided for him. It's already furnished um, in this town in Maryland called Gaithersburg. Now, let me explain to everybody who is not familiar with the DMV. And the DMV stands for the District, the State of Maryland, and the State of Virginia. The reason why it's called the DMV is because these states, at the most part, are very, very connected. Northern part of Virginia, and I guess it would be called the southern part of Maryland, are connected to D.C. It's also connected, uh, not just because they're literally masses of land that are connected to each other, but they're also connected through a metro system. So the metro goes through multiple counties in Virginia and in Maryland. Um, So we call it the DMV. Where we move to is at the top of one line. Where I have to go to school is at the bottom of another line, plus a shuttle ride from that metro station to the school. So to put this all in context for you, ladies and gentlemen, I'm 16 years old. I am leaving my mom, my brother and sister. It's just me and my dad. I am dealing with a family member who's passing, a friend who passed away, another older brother simple who is going away for a long time. I'm moving to a new area, a new area where I know nobody. The school I'm going to, I forgot to add this, is a prestigious private school, but it also is an all boys school and you have to wear a uniform, suit and tie and blazer. For you people that have known me and listened to the show, you know I'm kind of a free spirit to constrict me, to make me assimilate into a certain type of group or structure. It's really, really difficult for me. I knew all these things going into it, but it was too good of an opportunity to pass up. Uh, so I'm dealing with all this stuff on top of that. The travel to get to the school is not easy. So uh, to give you guys an example, I'm riding this train. And for those people that live in New York, they're like, what a, what big deal is this? For me, it was a very big deal coming from Lynchburg, Virginia, where we didn't even have a train, right? Um, I'm traveling an hour, one hour on the metro train and then taking a shuttle, which is about a 10 minute ride. Now, if I miss the shuttle, I have to walk to the school. Uh, and the walk to the school is maybe like two and a half, maybe three miles. Uh, but I have to walk to the school if I miss the shuttle because the shuttle picks up at a specific time and then that's it. Uh, it doesn't run continuous loops. So another thing that I got to add is, you know, like I said, my dad is starting a new job. So when he's starting a new demanding job. So I'm on my own a lot and it's not anybody's fault. It's not my parents' fault. This is a great opportunity for my father. Uh, it's a great opportunity for the family. Um, and my parents were young. My parents were at this time were younger than I am right now. Um, and I'm not the one to share. This is, this is part of my problem. I'm not one to share about things that I'm dealing with. Hell, sometimes at that age, I barely knew how to express the things that I was dealing with. So this was a very, very tough time and a tough adjustment for me. If it had just been the school alone, that would have been a tough adjustment. Had it just been my grandfather dealing with that, that would have been tough for me to deal with. Had it just been my big brother uh, 
going to prison for a long time, that would have been tough to deal with. If it had been just my acquaintance being murdered, that would have been tough to deal with. But with all of these things going on at the same time, and I'm alone. Uh, I'm alone, completely alone, because I don't have any friends where I live, because the school is so far away. It's not like I can hang out with my friends after school. I've got to go home, right? Because, you know, you're on a metro system and things like that. It's not like I can hang out with my friends on the weekend because on the weekends, we're going back and forth to my grandparents' house because we're dealing with my grandfather passing away. I'm alone. I can't say that I don't have anybody to talk to, but I don't know how or who to talk to. It's tough to talk to my father. He's got a lot of things on his plate. And he, if he knew, if my parents knew what I was going through, they obviously would have been there for me, but they had no idea because once again, I didn't know how to express it. I didn't even know what I was feeling. I had no idea what anxiety and depression truly, truly was. This is the mid nineties. This wasn't a conversation that is brought up like it is today. It is just, you know, sometimes you feel the blues. Well, this was feeling the blues every single day. And it's tough when you're dealing with that because you don't know how to express it to your to the to your loved ones. You don't even really know how to express it within yourself. And so, uh, like I said, it was a tough time, and I was not handling it well. I was sort of rebelling because I knew after the first week of going to that school, something had to give. I knew that I wasn't going to be able to conform to what that school needed me to be to be a student. And it's not the academics. You know, I'm smart enough to be in that school. I'm smart enough to get good grades. That was never an issue. It was the social element. And as much as I talk about how I'm an introvert, I'm an introvert extrovert. Even if I don't talk to people, I need to be around people. And I also need to be around the opposite sex. Like I need women in my life. Like that I did not realize that up until that point, but at 16 years old, I knew I needed women in my life. And there were no women. There were no young girls that I could talk to or things of that nature. There was no places I could go. You could go to the mall, but you're not going to walk up to a group of people and be like, hey, do you want to be my friend? And all of the friends at that private school that I went to, they all lived in different parts of the DMV. And it's not really easy to get to. Yes, there's a metro kind of connecting everything, but the metro is like a metro stop. And then they might not live close to a metro stop, right? So I was completely alone. And after the first week of going to that school, I told my dad, I was like, I don't want to go to the school, dad. This isn't going to work for me. And he said, that's cool with me. You know, just talk to your mom and, you know, tell her what you want to do. And we'll get you in local public school. Because I really wanted to just go to a local public school. I just wanted to be around. I I can start new again right? Like I can make friends. That's not really that big of a deal with me, but I just wanted to wear my own clothes, be my own spirit and be around some women, (laughs) you know? And my mom was like, no, you're going to stay in that school. It's an academic opportunity of which most people do not get. First of all, it's private school. So you have to be accepted in academically, right? Um, And so she was just like, no, this is going to open doors for you. You're going to stay in the school. Me and my mom have a very special relationship. There was a time when I was younger where I used to go to my mom and talk to her about everything. 
as I got a little older, it became tougher to talk to my mom about certain things because you're getting older. You're a teenage boy. You don't want to talk to your mom about certain stuff. And I didn't really talk to my dad about certain stuff. Uh, so I just pretty much held things inside. But me and my mom always had a really close relationship. So when she said no, that really, really hurt me. And I didn't speak to her for a long time. I did not speak to her for a very long time because at that time I couldn't express to my mother and father why it really was that I wanted to leave the school. I, I, you know, I said, I want to wear my own clothes and girls, but it was more of, I felt constricted in in my own self-expression and I needed that outlet in order to just be able to take a breath. I can understand that now looking back at 16 year old Seth, now that I'm 43 years old, but it was a very, very tough, tough, tough thing for a 16 year old in in the mid nineties to explain to his parents who are extremely educated. But once again, we don't really understand about mental health. Like I, I couldn't tell them that the anxiety and depression was weighing on me. Uh, they, they, that wasn't things that, that I even knew about at that time. and wasn't things that was well-versed in society. So I rebelled and I rebelled in only way that Bruce could rebel. I basically didn't go to school because remember, I'm on my own and my parents didn't know. For some strange reason, the school didn't call and tell them I would make appearances. I would just be late. Right. And I literally tried to flunk out of school. It took me a long time to pull my GPA back up from just a quarter, not even a full semester, just a quarter report card. It was horrible. I figured if I can't play basketball and I flunk out of school, they got no choice but to send me to the local uh, public school. The reason why I will not name the school is because even though my grades were bad, consistent coaches came to me and said, your grades are bad. You can't try out for the team. I said, okay, not a problem. Because remember, I'm trying to get out of school anyway. Well, it just so happens that even though I did not change any of my habits. A week later, the same coaches came to me and said, all right, you're clear to, uh, to come out to practice. I was like, well, wait a minute. Trials is over. Uh, y'all already have your team. And I, my grades didn't change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're cleared to come out to practice. So I, I, like my parents weren't letting me out of the school. And so I was like, okay, I'll go to the practice you know, whatever. Finally, something happened where I was finally allowed to to get out of school. And that's really private. And I'm going to keep it, keep that private. Uh, only people that need to know what happened are me, my parents, and the school administrators. <laughs> Let's just say I found a way out of that school. But um, I, I bring all of this up because because I was alone. Because I was dealing with stuff that I I could not describe, the way I got through it was through certain forms of entertainment. One of those forms of entertainment was professional wrestling. Now, I've always been a fan of professional wrestling. I tell it, I don't know how many times, maybe every three episodes of how I used to own a piece of a wrestling company here in Washington, D.C., and I was the creative and marketing director of that company. And I wrote the scripts and I planned the shows and all that stuff. And and that was one of my dream jobs, right? Like that was one of my dream jobs. But I've always loved wrestling ever since I saw Hulk Hogan walk down the aisle, right? 
Um, so we're talking 85, 86 when I'm a young kid. You know, I cried when Macho Man hit Ricky the Dragon Steamboat in the throat with the bell, you know, because Ricky the Dragon Steamboat was my dude. I had the action figures. I, I would tie my dad's ties uh, uh, around my ankles and wrists and pretend that I was the Rock and Roll Express, who was the, my tag team before the Rockers became. I watched all wrestling. I watched Jim Crockett Promotions, the NWA, later it became WCW. But the main company that I always watched, even though there was a brief period from like 12, at the age of 12, where I kind of stopped watching, uh, but came right back when I was 13. The main company that I always watched was the WWF now called the WWE. And everybody knows the WWF, WWE. Everybody knows The Rock. Everybody knows Hulk Hogan. Everybody knows Stone Cold. These are household names. And 1996 wrestling got me through one of the toughest times that I could, that I, that I dealt with at that point in my life, because it was a point in time where I can escape. And I find it funny because a lot of my male friends ask me, Bruce, I don't understand. You used to be such a sports fanatic. Why are you no longer a sports fanatic? And you have to think about why men in particular, but people in general are sports fanatics or love Lord of the Rings or love Stranger Things. It's an escape, right? It's, it's a moment in time where it's an hour, two hours, three hours all day long if it's football or something like that, where you don't have to worry about your problems. You don't have to deal with your problems. You can be in the moment. You can put yourself in that moment of that TV show or that sporting event and escape. And that's what wrestling was for me. For those, for those two hours on Monday, for that hour on Saturday, no, for two hours on Saturday, for that hour on Sunday, those moments that I did not miss, I could not miss, were an opportunity for me to escape. And people do this all the time, whether they vibe out to music or they're watching their favorite TV shows or they go to the movies all day long. People need sometimes an escape, a healthy escape, because there are unhealthy escapes, right? There are substances that you can use to escape whatever issues that are going on in your life. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about entertainment. People use entertainment to escape because real life is hard. Real life is challenging. There's a lot of people out there that feel like they're alone. There are a lot of people out there that are listening to this podcast right now that feel like they're alone, that feel like that there's nobody that they can talk to, to feel like there's nobody that they can share themselves with. And that's a scary and lonely feeling. And I, that entertainment gives them the opportunity to not have to think or worry about their problems. Even if it's just a brief moment of time, it's an escape. And that relief from that anxiety or that depression can make the world a difference in your mental health. And like I said, for me, it's professional wrestling. And I needed that. I used it. And it got me through. It got me through one of those tough times as a young individual where I had no other way to release it because basketball no would normally be my release, but that was stressful in and of itself. What I was going to do with my junior year, because my junior year was basically shot. 
you know, and transferring in between schools and things of that nature. So basketball wasn't in release. And at that point, basketball became a stressor because it was no longer fun. It was about business then. It was it became about business, not actually me getting money. Like I never got any money. I got, you know, trophies and gifts and stuff like that, but never any money. But the business of basketball was coming because college was coming. College was right around the corner. So basketball became a lot more serious and the fun was gone. That was no longer a release. That was no longer an escape. Professional wrestling was an escape. Now, I told that story and I brought all that up. Because something very, very important happened just this week in professional wrestling. And this is when you have the crisis crisis of conscience. When morally, when their entertainers do something that you are morally against, can you still enjoy their entertainment? I'm going to attempt, attempt to answer that question next. Hey there, podcast listeners. It's Bruce Anthony here, and welcome to another episode of Unsolicited Perspectives. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind lately, the importance of staying hydrated and taking care of ourselves. Whether it's prioritizing our health and wellness, or gearing up for festival seasons, or just gearing up for whatever season or time of year, there's one brand that's been my go-to for all things hydration, Liquid IV. Speaking of health and wellness, let's dive into how Liquid IV can fuel your well-being. Imagine starting your day off right, feeling refreshed and energized. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is the missing piece in your daily routine. With just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. It's perfect for those early mornings, pre-workout boosts, moments when you're just feeling run down, or even after a late night or long flights. I absolutely love how convenient Liquid IV is. The packaging makes it easy to bring with me wherever I go. And let me tell you, it's become vital daily part of my routine. The flavors, (laughs) let me tell you something, they're incredible. From refreshing sea berry and strawberry lemonade to classics like lemon lime and watermelon, there's a flavor for every preference. It's like a burst of hydration with a hint of deliciousness. Picture this. One stick of liquid IV mixed in 16 ounces of water, hydrating you two times faster and more efficient than water alone. And with 12 mouth water and flavors, you'll never get bored with your hydration routine. Plus, liquid IV is packed with five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, vitamin C. It's also made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. This is hydration at its finest, but it doesn't stop there. Liquid IV believes that access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. That's why they partner with leading organizations, finding innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. It's incredible to know that Liquid IV has already donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. They truly walk the talk. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code unsolicited at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code unsolicited at liquidiv.com. Remember, folks, taking care of ourselves should always be a priority. So why wait? Head over to liquidiv.com, pick your favorite flavors, and experience hydration like never before. Stay refreshed, stay hydrated and keep rocking those unsolicited perspectives.
Okay. All right. Now we're going to get to uh, what I used to to deal with it. Like I said in the first segment, I used professional wrestling. So uh, when my grandfather passes and my older brother, older brother figure is sentenced, um, wrestling becomes even more and more important to me. And uh, I'm watching it as much as I can consume it. And uh, WCW, World Championship Wrestling, uh, that was owned by Turner Broadcasting, was uh, created a hot little storyline called the New World Order, where Hulk Hogan, everybody knows who Hulk Hogan is, turned into a bad guy. And some some of the wrestlers from the WWF left WWF and joined WCW. So they created this fake invasion angle, like it, they were all major stars from the WWF that had joined the WCW. It was a major, major cool time. Uh Bret Hart, who's my favorite wrestler, was wrestling in the WWF and uh, like storylines that were going on very much using these things in order to deal with life. So WWF to me has always been the major company. So let me give you a little history about the WWF and its former owner, Vincent Kennedy McMahon. So Vince McMahon was born. Uh, he was a World War II baby, August 24th, 1945, a Leo. Uh, in North Carolina, he was the son of a wrestling promoter and began working as a ringside announcer for his father's business, the Capital Wrestling Corporation, which would later become the World Wide Wrestling Federation, that would later become the World Wrestling Federation, that would later become World Wrestling Entertainment. Uh, he bought the company from his father in 1982 and decided to change the trajectory of wrestling. Wrestling was basically territories. Um, so think of it as a crime syndicate because it's often described as a crime syndicate where all of these different promoters had different territories, different locations in which they ran their promotion. Um, Vince McMahon and his father ran a promotion in, in northeast part of the United States. There was a mid-Atlantic promotion. There was a Georgia promotion. There was a Florida promotion. There were several promotions in Texas. There was a mid-south promotion that that accompanied, that accompanied uh, Oklahoma and Louisiana. There was a northwest promotion that was based out of Portland. So they had all these different promotions. What he did was is when he bought his dad's company, uh, everybody had regional television rights, or if they had television rights, they were regional. He wanted to take his company national. There was unwritten rules that you would not promote your wrestling show in other territories where well, he broke all the rules. Uh, he offered uh, other promoters their company. Some sold. The ones that didn't, he was going in that territory anyway, and he had the biggest star, Hulk Hogan, who he took from the AWA, which was a uh, company based out of, uh, it was based out of Minnesota, but it ran pretty much like I knew it because it when I was living in Illinois, like AWA was a big thing. He was a huge star in uh, AWA after Rocky III. Vince McMahon saw the star potential in him, signed him up, brought him uh, to the WWF, put put rock and wrestling when they made an agreement with MTV. That was a, a new um, channel at that time, created rock and wrestling. And started doing these big events that eventually led to WrestleMania. And everybody knows what WrestleMania is. If you know anything about wrestling, you know about WrestleMania. Along the way, there have been some allegations of sexual misconduct within the company. 
So realize that not only is it a wrestling promotion, it's a company. So there is a corporate side. They have corporate offices in Stanford, Connecticut. There's a corporate side to uh, the entire company, right? It's not just wrestlers and bookers and writers. There's also legal staff and people that do admin and payroll. It's it's a it's an entertainment company. So it, it's not solely the performers. There's also people like you that work in the office, that work in the office, the headquarters of WWE. And there have been some sexual assault allegations through the years, right? Uh, former, uh, rest, a former female a wrestler uh, was accused other wrestlers of sexually assaulting her during an overseas trip. Um, years later, whether this connected or not, she committed suicide. There has been a ring boy scandal there's been some um, there's been some sexual sexual assault allegations in 2022. Vincent McMahon resigned from his post because his company is a publicly traded company, and they found out that he had been paying hush money uh, to certain employees that he had had a sexual relationship with. Vince McMahon, this is a family-run business for the most part, right? Like he bought it from his father. His kids were running it with him, uh, high-ranking executives. His wife uh, was a high-ranking executive in the company as well. Uh, But when he went public, you know, you have a board of directors. And they found out about this, found out he had been paying people hush money. um, And that the hush money that he was paying was because he sexually assaulted somebody. And so he resigned. He lo- he later, two years later, forced his way back in uh, because he's still the majority stakeholder in the company, forced his way back in, led to a sale to the company that owned UFC, and they merged UFC and WWE together to become TKO. Now, UFC still has their own thing. WWE still has their own thing, but they're part of a larger company called TKO, where he was a board of director and it was a high ranking. He was an executive in the WWE. Well, that hush money that he paid in an NDA became null and void as far as this person was concerned because he didn't pay all the money. He paid one million of the three million dollars that he was supposed to pay. So uh, a former WWE employee, Janelle Grant, filed a federal lawsuit accusing Vince Man and other WWE executive of serious sexual misconduct. This all came out this week and before a major event, the Royal Rumble, which is the start to the road to WrestleMania. So if you guys out here are paying attention to the actual specifics of wrestling is not very, very important to what I'm saying. But I want to give you guys context. Everybody pretty much knows what WrestleMania is. Even if you don't follow wrestling, there's certain things about wrestling that you know. You know Hulk Hogan, you know Hulk Hogan, you know The Rock, you know Stone Cold Steve Austin. You know WrestleMania. That is synonymous as a Super Bowl. Even if you don't watch football, you know what the Super Bowl is. Even if you don't watch college basketball, you know what the Final Four is. Even if you don't watch baseball, you know what the World Series is. So that's what WrestleMania is. So it's a known thing. And we're on the Royal Rumble is the start to the road to WrestleMania. So think the start of the NCAA tournament. When everybody fills out their bracket, this is the start of it. Yes, the Final Four is the major conclusion of of those brackets being filled out. 
right? That's the end goal. That's the big event. But this is all part of some larger event. And the road to WrestleMania begins at the Royal Rumble, which determines kind of what the main event of WrestleMania is going to be. So WrestleMania happened this past Saturday, uh, January the 27th, I believe, uh, Saturday night. And it's a big deal. It's the start to the road to WrestleMania. These allegations uh, that I'm about to describe to you came out on Thursday. Mind you, he's still an executive for a high-ranking executive. Basically, the man is still in control of the WWE, even though he has a board to answer to, right? So these this lawsuit comes out. The lawsuit accuses McMahon of sexual assault, trafficking, and physical abuse. It alleges that McMahon promised a job and later promotions at the WWE in exchange for sex. This is with Janelle Grant. This is what she's claiming in her lawsuit. The lawsuit also includes allegations that McMahon trafficked her to other men inside and outside of the company. At the end of her employment and their sexual relationship, McMahon allegedly pressured Grant into signing a non-disclosure agreement in exchange for payments over several years totaling $3 million. He only paid a million, so she pissed. and. She she's coming back after him. The allegations are coming back out in response to these allegations. Vince McMahon resigned from his role as executive chairman of TKO, the parent company of the WWE. Uh, so he just did that just as past. I think it was Friday. It was Friday or Saturday right before um, the pay-per-view. Now, I'm not going to get into the the, the, the nasty, nasty details of this sexual assault allegation. But it's some heinous stuff that Janelle Grant is accusing Vince McMahon of. And um, I'm going to be real honest. I believe her. I do. You, it, I, I'm, I'm a fan of the WWE. I'm a fan of, uh, I'm a hist- historian of the WWE to a certain extent. Uh, I've been watching it for oh, almost 40 years now. Right. Um, I know storylines. I know when things happen. And I know sometimes the product and how he treats his performers. So it's not hard for me to imagine that some of the things that he's had his performers do, that he would have employees in the office also do. He's degraded a lot of his performers. It's not surprising to me that he would degrade people in his personal life. And uh, I'm not making a connection. I'm just saying that he and Donald Trump are really, really good friends. I'm not making that connection. I'm just I'm just stating things that are facts. He and Donald Trump are really, really good friends. Uh, but some of the things that, that that's alleged in the suit are absolutely horrific. Uh, the way he treated this woman is absolutely horrific. The response on the Internet from wrestling fans, some, not all, some has been absolutely horrific. There's a bigger question to be examined of how we treat sexual assault victims in this country, in this world. Sexual assault is a real, real thing. I can almost guarantee uh, that there's people out there that are listening and watching this who don't personally want to be sexually assaulted. And unfortunately, I know some of you have. And The only greater crime to me is violating than violating somebody's person is doing something to kids. 
they're not neck and neck because you should never harm a kid. And then violating a kid is the ultimate worst crime that I, I'm sorry, I can never forgive you for. But violating a person is heinous because nobody would want that done to them. So why would you do that to somebody else? The response and the excuses that we make for the people that actually violate. She shouldn't have been walking down that alley with that dress on. She should have known that she couldn't control himself. Are you kidding me? And there are men and women that say these things. I've heard them. I've heard sexual assault victims actually say these things. I don't understand why there's such a lack of empathy for people who have been violated, who's had their person violated. Where's the empathy? And I know where a lot of it comes from, from some of these wrestling fans who are actually saying, well, it's innocent until proven guilty. They're absolutely right. Vince McMahon is innocent until proven guilty under the courts of law here in the United States, legally. But we know what the answer is morally, right? There, there are people that defend Bill Cosby. Some of those women took the drugs voluntarily. So that excuses his actions? That excuses him violating them? What about those women who didn't? Just because somebody did take them voluntarily, that excuses actions for those women that didn't take them voluntarily? I, I mean, these are questions you got to ask. Why? 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 This is a question I'm asking out to all the community here to listen to the show. Why are people so quick to make excuses for those people that are in power? This idea that because people are in power are morally or better, just generally better than those people and should be looked at as something more than. There are people who legitimately talk about um, former President Donald Trump as this great man because he ran successful business. Well, yes and no. Right. Like he is successful. He's also bankrupted a lot of times, which in business, right, you fail. You win some, you lose some. I'm a prime example of that. I've failed in business not once, but a few times. Right. That that doesn't determine, you know, if you're a, a failure or successful as a person. But just because you have a lot of money. Doesn't mean you're this benevolent person. And it just amazes me when there's labor disputes, how people routinely, unless you're involved in it, side with the people that control the purse strings. That There's some of that in this as far as people defending him. Because some people are saying it's innocent until proven guilty. Let's wait for all the facts of the case. Other people are saying, well, it's a money grab. She's just out here doing it. Uh, uh, how can you force somebody to do certain things that they don't want to do easily? We're all forced to do things that we don't want to do sometimes. We're all put in positions where we're the beta. I know there are so many men out there that feel like they're alpha. Go to jail. Go to jail one time. That determines if you're alpha or beta. There's a lot of alpha males out there right now that will become extreme betas in jail. Situations determine if you're an alpha or beta. Nobody is majorly one or the other. And sometimes we're in situations where we have no choice, that there are no options, that it is a tough out. And I believe, Janelle Gray, I believe it was a tough out. Did it start out as, you know, a, a mutual thing 
where, you know, they, they have sex and she gets advancement. Maybe. That doesn't mean that she agreed to be in traffic to other people. And some of the details are, you know, Vince McMahon and another person who's also John Laurinaitis, who was a high-ranking executive uh, for, for World Wrestling Entertainment, uh, had her in her office and sexually assaulted her while people were outside, you know, working. Now, I'm not blaming the people outside working. They may not have known what was going on in that office. But, you know, there's been allegations in this suit that uh, he shared personal information, pictures, videos that she sent to him, to everybody else, that he showed people, right, that she didn't intend for that to be the case, that there's even a claim in the lawsuit that in order to sign a performer, he told the performer, you can have her, you can have your way with her, and gave the performer her phone number to call out to say, hey, I'm about to finish this deal, but you're a part of that deal. He pimped her out. He pimped her out. And I believe her. I do. But that's enough about the allegations of what's going on. And lucky, luckily, I'm not in a crisis because he actually resigned. So now he is no longer a part of the organization. So I don't have to question whether or not Am I morally wrong still supporting the show? He no longer has any connection to the show whatsoever. But I brought up on the most recent show with my sister, Michael Jackson's new biopic, and the fact that this is where I'm a hypocrite. And I, I understand that and I acknowledge that. As much as I hate hypocrites, this is where I'm a hypocrite. I won't watch or have it. I've been saying I'm going to, but I haven't watched the documentaries that are surrounding the allegations with Michael Jackson and kids. These documentaries are very, very convincing, right? Because documentaries are, are kind of like papers. There's a thesis statement in there. And, and any paper or any thesis statement, you are going out to prove your thesis statement. So you're going to have evidence and things to back up your thesis statement. And the basic point of these documentaries is to basically prove that Michael Jackson was a child molester, which I've said right here on this show is the absolute worst crime, right? I don't know if I don't believe it or don't want to believe it. And, and that's the reason why I don't watch these documentaries. It's probably I don't want to believe it, uh, there, I, but I also don't believe it. But I don't know, right? Like, I, I don't know because I, what I do know is that I don't want my... Michael Jackson taken away from me. I don't want that feel good taken away from me. And a lot of people will defend an artist or defend a Vince McMahon for their heinous actions because they don't want to lose that entertainment. Why? Entertainment is an escape. You're already dealing with your real life. Whatever stressors, stressors or issues that are causing you anxiety, depression, this is your release. That musician that might have been accused of sexual assault or might have even gone to jail for sexual assault has written and performed some really good songs that mean something to you emotionally. It's connected to a time and a place. You don't want to give that up because then you have to give up that connection. Then maybe you got to deal with whatever it was that you were trying to escape from. This is tough. I understand that crises of, do you, can you separate the artist from the art. And I don't know what the answer is. 
Why is it that I'm that I only listen to two R. Kelly songs? There's two R. Kelly songs I can't give up. Why? Because there's a there's an emotional connection to those songs, but I won't listen to his catalog. And then I have friends of mine that are just like, look, what he did was heinous, but he made good music, so I'm gonna keep listening to his music. I like, oh, like how can you support somebody that did that? Right? If Vince May was still part of this wrestling company, I would have to stop watching it. I would have to. If he comes back, I have to stop watching. And I really, really enjoy it. I don't really use it as an escape anymore. I just uh, think that it's really, really good storytelling. I mean, it's a male soap opera where they fight each other at the end. I mean, it's, it's really, really, really cool. Um, I have other outlets now to, to deal with anxiety or stress. Working out is a huge outlet of stress. I don't want anybody out there worried about me um, saying, is Bruce going through something that he don't want to give up wrestling? But I don't want to give up wrestling. I will, though, if he comes back. Now that I know that, now that I know the full scale of these allegations, because beforehand we kind of knew that there was something there, but we didn't know the details. And then that always the problem, right? We knew R. Kelly's situation for decades, but just when those documentaries came out and the details came out, when there's video attached to these these atrocities, to these crimes. That's when it hits home because if it's just out there in words and it's not very descriptive, it's not very detailed, we can escape it, right? We can push it aside and not deal with it. And I I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I, I know that I can't judge people. I can't judge people for not wanting to give up the thing that they use to escape because it's connected to something really horrible. Because maybe what they're dealing with is so horrible and they have no other escape that that's the only way that they can deal. I can't judge them because I do the same thing with Michael Jackson. I do the same thing with the couple of songs of R. Kelly. I'm still going to watch old pay-per-views that Vince McMahon are associated with when I know for a fact that these allegations were going on, not these specific, because these specific allegations said they were started sometime during the pandemic. But there's been smoke around him since the 80s, since the 80s. And, you know, a lot of things when you have money, you could pay NDAs and things just kind of get swept under the rug and gets pushed away. But these things that are happening to people, the harmful things that are happening to people are real. And the harmful things that the entertainers are doing, the things that we love and enjoy are doing, it, it's tough to enjoy that entertainment when you know that it's connected to somebody or something or some group or some company that's just done horrible things. We enjoy our cars and our Jordans, our tennis shoes, when it's essentially slave labor overseas, right? We don't want to think about that. We don't want to think about kids in sweatshops making these shoes, creating these products for us. We, because we use these shoes, we use these televisions, we use these cars, we use these clothes as things to escape Whatever horrible things that we're dealing with, buying the shoes makes us feel good. We like looking good. We like being looked at. That makes us feel good. That takes away some of our anxiety and our depression. Last thing that we want to deal with is how these things are being made and being created. It's tough. 
And like I said, I was attempting to answer the question. I don't know that there is an answer to this question. I don't know that this question can be answered. I think that at best, at best, we can examine each situation and you can decide for yourself, because that's really all it comes down to, right? Is a self decision. You can only decide for yourself what you're willing to morally sacrifice for your mental health. I mean, there, there it is right there. What are you willing to morally sacrifice for your mental health? I mean, if it comes to a point where, look, I need this escape because if I don't have it, I might kill myself. Well, there's a lot of things that you'll morally let slide if that is, if that's going to be the end result, then that's understandable. And nobody's going to judge you or nobody should judge you for that. Eh, fact of the matter is people shouldn't be out here judging. And I'm, I need to take my own advice because I'd be out here judging. I'd be judging folks a lot. I try not to, but some of y'all are, are kind of dumb. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's true. Sometimes I talk to people and I'm like, is that really what you think? Wow. Okay. Well, if you like it, I love it, I guess. And that's a black expression. If you like it, I love it means we don't really love it. We just, you know, we're humoring you, but I don't know. This is, this was a thought piece. All of it was all the whole show was a thought piece. And I'm not trying to answer the questions for you guys. Um, I don't want to answer the questions for you guys. I don't want to have that type of authority over people. I don't, I shouldn't have that type of authority over people. Like I don't, I don't have the answers all myself. I'm still trying to learn myself. I'm still trying to grow and evolve myself, but I guess that's the point, right? Is to sit in thought and question these things and question, you know, where's your moral compass? What are things that you are willing to give up and will, and things that you're not willing to give up and why, and why, why are you willing to give up certain things and why are you not willing to give up certain things? And if it's for your mental health, I get it. But also, therapy is a thing. <laughs> I strongly uh, recommend it. Like I said, at the top of the show, when I was 16, I tried my first hand in therapy. My parents realized that something was going on with the fact of me skipping school and, and all these other things and, and, and got me with a therapist. Me and that therapist just didn't connect. And at the time, it was, oh, I'm just being difficult. But now that I've gotten older, and mental health professionals will tell you, you know, sometimes, you know, therapists and clients don't mesh. I mean, it's a personality thing sometimes, right? Like, like you can hire a personal trainer, you can, you can, you can get with a doctor, you can get with a dentist, and sometimes the match just isn't right. That's the same with mental health professionals. So, just because you try something, uh, try therapy, and it doesn't work with one individual, doesn't mean that it won't work with another individual. Um, so, mental health is important. And it's cool to have things that, that we use to escape. There's, I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with that. Just maybe examine, all of us should examine what it is that we're trying to escape from. If it's just a mental escape, sometimes we need that. If there's something bigger, you need to address that issue. And then the video games and sporting events and TV shows and the music is not going to solve the problem. It's a temporary fix. You need real help. Um, that's the overall theme to this show is mental health awareness. If you guys haven't picked up on that, mental health awareness. It's a real thing. And there's so many macho guys out there. They're like, I don't need to talk to anybody. But you're using things as a crutch. You're using sports. 
using alcohol, using weed as a crutch because you don't want to address your problems. That was a side tangent. But the main tangent is when it comes to entertainment, entertainers and morally and them having morally corrupt actions, whatever you decide in your mind is morally corrupt. There's a question that you must ask yourself. Can I give this up? Can I not give this up? And what are the reasons why? I can assure you, if Vince McMahon comes back to this company, he resigned, if he forces his way back to this company, I will no longer be watching wrestling because I think those actions that he did were heinous and unforgiving. And I try to forgive everybody. I try to live Christ's life, but I ain't Christ. So, so, I, so I try to, but I ain't, I ain't him. But on that note, ladies and gentlemen, I know this was a very serious show. It was a thought piece. Sometimes people dig it. Sometimes people don't. There were not a whole lot of laughs and jokes. Don't worry. The sibling happy hour will be in just a couple of days and there'll be laughs and jokes then. But as always, I want to thank you, my audience, for giving me this space to open up and share and let you into my life a little bit. Uh, Definitely let you into my head. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. And until next time, as always, I'll holla. Woo! That was a hell of a show. Thank you for rocking with us here on Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Now, before you go, don't forget to follow, subscribe, like, comment, and share our podcast wherever you're listening or watching it to it. Pass it along to your friends. If you enjoy it, that means the people that you rock will enjoy it also. So share the wealth, share the knowledge, share the noise. And for all those people that say, well, I don't have a YouTube. If you have a Gmail account, you have a YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can actually watch our video podcast but the real party is on our patreon page after hours uncensored and talking straight ish after hours uncensored is another show with my sister and once again the key word there is uncensored those are exclusively on our patreon page jump onto our website at unsolicitedperspective.com for all things us that's where you can get all of our audio video our blogs and even buy our merch and if you're really feeling genuine and want to help us out you can donate on our donations page donations go strictly to improving our software and hardware so we can keep giving you guys good content that you can clearly listen to and that you can clearly see so any donation would be appreciated most importantly i want to say thank you thank you thank you for listening and watching and supporting us and i'll catch you next time audi 5000 peace